You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, I wanted to say that if you're here specifically today for the purpose of sitting by your dad, I think that's pretty cool. I love that you did that. You know, I have conversations often about uh, the will of God with people. Um, so it's not uncommon for somebody to say, Pastor, I'd love to talk to you, uh, because I'm praying about and trying to discover what God's will is for me in this particular situation. So sometimes it's the big blocks in life. It's like um, I'm trying to find God's will in who I marry, um, or I'm trying to find uh, you know, God's will in whether or not I go to university or which university I attend. Or maybe it's a career path. I'm trying to find God's will in my career path. And so it's not uncommon for somebody to want to sit down and talk and pray together uh, about how do I discover God's will for the next step of my life. Sometimes it's not one of the big blocks in life. Sometimes it's like, uh, can we talk about God's will in like where I should volunteer or where I should serve? Nevertheless, it's this conversation of wanting to know God's will. So years ago, I was introduced to this idea that God's will is often like a circle. So there's a, there's a lot in the circle. There's just, there's, there's, there's much in the circle. So um, maybe there's choices. All of this is within the will of God, you know. And so when I got married, maybe it wasn't, you know, one person that I only could have married to have been in the will of God. Maybe I could have married several people. Well, I don't mean married several, I mean several to choose from. Um, but, but, but maybe if I hadn't have married the person that I married, maybe if I'd have married somebody else, God would have still blessed that marriage. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's not like I had one shot and if I missed it, then I'd blown it for the rest of my life. Or maybe, which university? Maybe, maybe, maybe God would have been okay if I would have attended another university and he would have blessed me there. Or in a career path, maybe if I'd have chosen a different career or a different job in my line of career, maybe God would have said, well, it, really, it's up to you. I don't know that we have to pray every time we stand at an ice cream counter and order ice cream about which flavor. Do you know what I'm saying? But I do think ice cream is in the will of God for our lives, <laughs> just to be clear. So, so, so there are other times in my life, however, so I'm just going to confess to you that I'm working through this. This is not like um, Pastor Rick knows where this is, okay? I, I'm telling you that I'm thinking through this. Because there have been many times in my life when I felt like the will of God felt a lot less like a circle with choices. And it felt a lot more like a dot. It felt like to me that God was specifically saying, this is what I want you to do at this stage of your life. It was like my heart was beating out of my chest if I did not obey what I felt like God was leading me to do. Do you know what I mean? And so I think I'm trying to say this, but I'm not sure. Just being honest with you. Sometimes I think the will of God feels like a circle and there's lots of choices in the circle, but sometimes I feel like the will of God is more like a dot. It's much more specific. I think what we're really dealing with is we all wonder how to and want to discover God's will for our lives? I think that's always the question. How do you know what God wants you to do next? 
So we've been talking about the Holy Spirit for the last two weeks. The Holy Spirit is God's presence and power in you. For the last two weeks, I've said we all walk into the room with our understanding or view or concept or picture or idea of what we think about the Holy Spirit. But I want you to hear me say it again. The Holy Spirit is God. It is God's Spirit living in you. When you are filled with the Spirit, it is God in you. I love the way Jesus talks about the Spirit. He says to the disciples, when the Spirit comes, He will guide you. He will lead you. He will teach you. He will help you. He will empower you. These are the words of Jesus. So it is God in you, guiding you, leading you, helping you, teaching you, empowering you. If your view is other than that, I'm going to challenge you to go back to the Word to redefine what you believe about the Holy Spirit. And so what I see all through the New Testament is the Holy Spirit directing people to do the will of God over and over again. And so here's what, here's what I want to say to you today, okay? We can trust the Holy Spirit to guide us to do the will of God. In other words, we can trust the Spirit of God to guide us to do His will. So I, I feel like this morning, this is one of those moments in life where you just take it, just go ahead with me. Would you just take a deep breath and just let it out? What are you thinking? Besides the fact that some of the people around me have really bad breath, okay? You're thinking, you know what? I can just relax. I can just trust that God's Spirit is going to guide me to know what God's will is in my life. I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be uptight. I don't have to worry. I don't have to wring my hands. I can just say, you know what? I can trust the Holy Spirit to guide me to do the will of God. Let me give you an example of this in the book of Acts chapter 16. I love this passage. It's one of the best examples I can find along this line, okay? Um, and so it's, it's a story that I'm going to read to you without giving you context. But I promise you, I'm going to give you lots of background. I'm going to tell a big story with a map and everything. So you'll get it. But just for now, would you mind just kind of diving into the middle of a story, not knowing all that's around it, and just pay really close attention to a few key lines. Here we go. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions, okay, traveling companions, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Now listen to this, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word, the good news about Jesus in the province of Asia. Think about that. We're traveling along. They go through Phrygia. They go through Galatia. When they come to, to, to Asia, they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. Now, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. Read the next few lines with few words with me. 
but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Think about this. You have it here, you have it here. We're traveling, we're going to preach, right? Can we preach here? The Spirit says no. Well, what about here? The Spirit says no. So we continue. So they passed by Mycia and went to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, Luke is telling the story. He says, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that the Spirit of God had led us, concluding that God had called us through that vision to preach this good news, to tell these people the gospel to them, to preach to them the good news, the gospel about Jesus. So they're traveling along. Can we preach here? Nope. Do we preach here? Nope. What do we do? We wait. We get a vision. The Holy Spirit speaks. We go to Macedonia to preach the gospel to them because the Spirit leads us. Let me just look in the eye. Do you believe that the Spirit of God leads people like you and me like he led Paul and his companions? Does it work that way? Do we get that kind of guidance? Mm -mm, no, no, don't go there. No, no, not there. Yeah, that's where I want you to go. Is that, is that how it works in your life, in my life? So here's the story. It's as if you and I have sat down together, and it's only the two of us, and we're in my living room or your living room in my office, and I say, let me, let me tell you this great story, okay? And so here's the background of what's happening. Uh, some of you are going to remember lots of it because of our series that we completed a few weeks ago on Are We Antioch? So you remember in Jerusalem, the gospel is being preached primarily to Jewish people, okay? Gentiles aren't getting the word about Jesus. However, persecution begins to happen to the church in Jerusalem, and they scatter. We read a few weeks ago that they go as far as Antioch, some 300 miles away. And there, what happens is that the gospel is preached to many Gentiles. So when the people... In the religious world in Jerusalem said, let's stomp out Christianity. Let's just kind of wash our hands of this whole Jesus thing. Let's just make it go away. The persecution actually made it scatter and spread like a wildfire. So when this great thing begins to happen, all these Gentiles become Christians in Antioch. The believers, the church in Jerusalem, sends Barnabas to check on them. Barnabas goes and gets his friend Paul because Paul has been given this call to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And for a whole year, they stay there teaching the church in Antioch. Any of this sound familiar to you? Then the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit leads us to do the will of God, right? The Holy Spirit said, set aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. After they laid their hands on them, they sent them off. And Paul and Barnabas goes throughout the Gentile world preaching the gospel. They come back and they report everything that God was doing. And in a little while, one day, Paul looks over at Barnabas and says, 
You know, all of those people that came to know Jesus and the churches that we planted on that missionary journey, called the first missionary journey, that's what historians call it. Yeah, why don't we go back and check on them? See how they're doing. Encourage them. And Barnabas says, great idea. Why don't we take John Mark with us? And Paul says, no, no, no. I don't want to take John Mark. John Mark deserted us on the first journey. I don't think he's a good candidate. They came to such a sharp disagreement that Barnabas said, well, I'll just take John Mark with me and and you can do whatever you want. And so Paul took Silas with him and, and goes a different direction. That's the beginning of what we call Paul's second missionary journey. Now, I got to show it to you. I think you'll love kind of the history of it. They start in Antioch, okay? They go to Troas, to Derbe, to Lystra. Right here is where Timothy lives, a young disciple of Jesus. And Paul says, Timothy, why don't you join us? We're going to go strengthen some of the churches that we planted. And then we're going to share the gospel with some people who haven't heard it yet. And so they begin to travel through Galatia here, and this is Phrygia. They go through Asia, but remember what happens in Asia. The Spirit says, nope, don't preach the gospel there just yet. They get to uh, Messiah, and they say, well, uh, should we go to Bithynia? And the Spirit of Jesus would not let them go to Bithynia because we can trust that the Holy Spirit's going to lead us to do God's will, right? And so they go to Troas. Well, you can't preach there because it's part of Asia, so what do we do? And it was at Troas where they had this vision. Paul has a vision of a man over across the Aegean Sea in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And so Luke, who is writing the story, is in the traveling company with Paul, and he says, we got ready at once, and we sailed for Macedonia, believing that God had called us to preach the gospel there. And so they do throughout Macedonia and down through And then they go back, finally make it back around and all the way to Antioch. Second missionary journey. Weeks of traveling on foot. Wandering, wondering, praying, walking. And finally, God says, this is it. I, I'll just tell you that this has kind of been my life story. And I wouldn't be surprised if you would say it's been yours. If you would have asked me when I was a young man to draw a picture of my future... I wouldn't have drawn you this picture. It, it, it wasn't like that. I, I, I never got a map like that I just showed you and said, this is, this is where you're going to go, you know. Paul didn't get the map either. It, it, it's always been, Annette, I, I believe the Lord wants us to do this. I feel like the Lord's leading us. It's always kind of been a step along the way. And, and God would kind of open the next door, and maybe I should walk through that door, and then God opens the next door. And I was on the phone yesterday, FaceTiming with Doug and Margaret Eaton. They're in Africa, they're in Eswatini, doing missions work. They are, they are 
actually missionaries for the Church of the Nazarene, Doug and Margaret Eaton are. Is that crazy? I mean, official missionaries. And, and I think if you'd ask Doug, do you think in your 70s you'll be living most of five years of your life on the continent of Africa? They would have said, no, we wouldn't draw that picture. You know? Is, is that your story? Is, is it kind of as, as you need information, then the Spirit kind of leads you? And then the Spirit leads you to the next step and to the next step and the next step? And, and, and then you just kind of around look back over your life and say, wow, I would, have never, I would have never written that story. God has been writing my story, but I had no idea that this would be how my story goes. I, 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 think, I think here's where we, here's where we live, okay? And that is that, that when it comes to God's will, we, we desperately want to be sure to get it right. I think we live with this a little bit. What if I marry the wrong person? Worse, what if I married the wrong person, right? What, what, what if I go to the wrong university that puts me with the wrong person? And what if it puts me in the wrong career path? And, you know, what if I don't choose the right job? What, what, what if I don't get it right? I think we all live with, I, there, there seems to be this kind of, you get one shot at this life. You get one life to live, buddy, and you don't want to blow it. You don't want to mess that up, right? You only get one chance at it. So I have a friend who is here this morning. His name is Norm Henry, and he gave me a great quote not long ago, and here's the quote, and you'll probably want to write it down, okay? But life is the only performance for which there is no rehearsal. Yeah. And so I went digging around, Norm, and I thought I, I would try to find out who, who said this, where it came from, and, and nothing really solid there. But there were other quotes like it, you know, life is a performance, not a rehearsal. There were lots of things. But, but always when I was reading up, then it would be followed up with this kind of language. So give it your best shot. Live every day to the fullest. Do the best you can. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I get one life. I get one shot at this. And the plan is to give it my best shot. I've seen my best shot. It's not very impressive. Do the best I can. You think that's going to do something for me to rely on what I can do, my own ability? Let me offer you a better alternative. You can trust the Holy Spirit to lead you. And you don't have to wring your hands and worry that you're going to miss it. He will lead you. I told you the story the other day. Let me finish the story. I told you a story about a, a guy that I've known since he was in high school. And I've been on the phone with him recently because he's praying about a, a career move. And he doesn't know for sure you know, what he, what he should do. And so I, I said to him, if you remember, I said, listen, uh, you're telling me you love where you are. You don't really want to move. Um, you love what you're doing, right? And so just forget about it. Just tell them no and, uh, and, and, and move on. And there's long silence on the phone. And when he finally responds, his voice cracks and I can tell he's emotional. And he said, yeah, I tried that. 
And I said, so the reason you're calling me is because you think maybe God's talking to you. And he says, exactly. And, and so I gave him, you know, the best conversation I could give him. And I just said, you know, you can just trust and rest because, you know, this is on God. If God wants you to do this, then, then God, God, God will show you. And you can trust that he will. And, and, and you can trust this would be a big deal for your wife, a move and all that. But, but God will show her. And I know that she loves God more than she loves anybody or anything in the world. And she's going to do what God wants her to do. And so if God shows you and he doesn't show her, then you just put the brakes on, buddy. You know, this is on God. God, you can trust to show you what his will is. And so I get a text back about a week later and he says, hey, just wanted you to know we've made a decision. We're staying put. We feel peace about it and all that. And I just go, that's great. Good to hear. And then a week and a half later, I get another text <laughs> that says, we went and interviewed. And it was Awesome. This whole thing is a relationship. It's not like you, um, you say, no deal. And you got to live with that. No. This is, this is God. This is your friend. This living in you. Leading you, guiding you, speaking to you. Empowering you, loving you. Walking with you. And, and if you say no... And you get it wrong, do you think God's not going to come back and say, ah, we got to talk about this again? Yeah. Troas? <laughs> you can't preach in Troas. It's Asia. But then there's a vision. Come and help us. Macedonia. Begging. My life is about telling people about Jesus. And God is making it clear to me that I need to go to Macedonia and tell people about Jesus. When I read that, do you know what my first thought is? I would like a vision, please. <laughs> can, we just, can we just go that route from here on in? Nightly visions. I mean, you can even tell me where to go sit, and I'll go sit there, and just you can just give me your vision. I mean, you know, we find ourselves doing things like this. Okay, God, I, I need to know what your will is, so let's see here. Okay, let's see. You know, you just, you want so bad. I, I remember one time a, a really good man, a general superintendent, sitting down with Annette and me, and, and he said, there's, there's, you know, maybe five voices that I tend to try to listen to when I'm discerning God's will. And he talked about people in authority over us. He talked about wise counsel. He talked about open doors. He talked about the word of God. He talked about this inner, still, small voice, how God speaks. It was good counsel. How do you know? You know that circle I had up a minute ago? Do you know when I've been outside of that circle, I've always known it? 
You know, that's called sin, by the way. Outside the will of God. I've never, I've never needed somebody to tell me when I've sinned. Rick, you've sinned. I knew. I've always known when I was out of the will of God. I, I think what I'm trying to say to you is that I don't know on that journey, you know, Silas was also a prophet. If Paul would look at Silas and said, Asia? And he goes, no. Nope. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how they knew. The vision, I think it just tells you that God speaks to us in various ways, right? And I don't know how God is going to speak to you and how the Holy Spirit is going to guide you, but somehow God will let you know. There's always been this sense of, Annette, I believe that we know, that we know, that we know that this is what God is asking us to do. Here's, here's, here's a pretty crucial point in, in my mind. Um, when, when God reveals his will, we must respond in obedience. You can know the will of God like crazy and not do it, right? And not be any better off. But Luke says, who has now joined that company of travelers, he says, we got ready at once. And we left for Macedonia believing that God had called us to go preach the gospel to them. Once we know, then we got to obey. And, and so I think it kind of brings me to this place this morning of saying to you, how, how in the world... How in the world does it, does it happen? You know, how, how does this gospel message by this group of despised people uh, begin to spread? And, and how does it begin to go outside the confines of Judaism to the Gentile world and then, you know, continue to travel and then across seas, across oceans, and, and, and it just spreads and spread until 2,000 years later, look where it is. The only, the only thing I can say to you, the only explanation is that they were empowered. It was beyond human design. So dream with me. Dream with me about your life for a minute. What in the world might God lead you to do? What in the world might God do through you? Just dream for a minute. <laughs> do, do you have any sense at all that where you are now is God's highest hopes for you? Just dream with me just for a minute. What do you think God might want to do through you? And I think the question that we all have to deal with is this question. Am I in the center of God's will? Like Paul and his companions, am I living in obedience to what God wants for my life? When I come to understand God's will, do I immediately leave it once? Concluding that this is what God is asking of me. That's the question. Wow. Nick, come on up. <laughs>
grew up in a small Nazarene church in a small Kentucky town singing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. It's a good life. It's a life where you don't wring your hands, worried, sick that you're going to miss something. Just trust him to lead me. Amen. You want to stand with me? I feel a little bit of a caution this morning just to say, you know, you might be at a place in your life where you're trying to understand God's will. Or maybe at a place in your life of where you're saying, I'm trying to surrender to God's will. And so I just feel like it would be um, amiss not to say, um, the altar's open this morning if you want to come and pray. You're welcome to. You're encouraged to. Let's sing together. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.